this episode of Theatre of the World brought to you by Mystery Radio Theatre. Comedy mystery plays performed live in the style of old-timey radio theatre at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, 31st of March to the 10th of April at La Mama. There's three different plays. One of them is called Murder Me Again, My Darling, a spoof on 1940s private eye thrillers. One of the plays is called Who Didn't Done It, a spoof on Agatha Christie mysteries. One of the plays is called The Adventure of Smuggler's Cove, a spoof on Enid Blyton adventures. Featuring performances by Man Bites God and other musical guests. And also Mark and James. And me, Chris. Ten shows only. Go to lamama.com.au. You could see them all or you could see one, but see them all, otherwise people will laugh at you. Don't see none of them. Because you could laugh or you could be laughed at. Which would you choose? Welcome to a very special edition of Theatre of the World. Welcome. My name's James. My name is Mark. And I'm Chris. And uh, we've got a little uh, bonus episode for you dudes and dudettes out there in podcast land. We're going to call this episode Mystery. Ooh. Ah, what will happen next? Probably some guys talking shit. No yeah. one knows. Ah, we us. certainly don't. Um, you know how, uh, Chris, I don't know if you know this. I do. Um, but uh, we start the podcast pretty much the same way every time. Yeah. Uh, we throw to Mark and yep. we say, hey, Mark, you're going to drop some fact bombs on us like a plane dropping information from the sky onto villages full of questions. Fact bombs, fact bombs. Mark's got a fact bombs. Internet fresh. Mystery was the name of a 1984 album by American psychedelic rock band Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> the band released their first and self-titled album in 1967, but are still active despite several breakups and have released several best-ofs and live albums, That's including right. 1982's Best of Vanilla Fudge. 1991's The Best of Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> now with added the. 1993's Psychedelic Sunday, The Best of Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> 2003's The Real Deal, Vanilla Fudge, live. 2007's Good Good Rockin', live at Rock Palast. <laughs> 2008's Orchestral Fudge, live. Yeah. <laughs> and 2010's Box of Fudge. <laughs> Fact bombs. <laughs> um, hey, mysteries. Hello. Um, hi. I think it was this week. Uh, I read a newspaper article about a guy who was um, in a mixed race relationship. Mm. So he's a white guy, mm-hmm. and uh, he married a, a, a woman of a different nationality and a different skin color. Chris, what's your opinion on that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> we'll canvas that's in a different podcast <laughs> on the dark web. Um, but. Uh, 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 
they uh, and they had uh, so so he's white, she's probably brown. They had a medium brown child, mm-hmm. right? Caramel, caramel child, <laughs> um, which I believe mm. is the next album from <laughs> Vanilla Fudge. <laughs> yeah. Caramel child, um, and uh, uh, they went to a sporting event together, just the dad and the son, and they looked nothing alike mm. because the dad is white and the son is some sort of confectionery, and the. Dad is probably also a man, and the child is also a child. child. Couldn't be mistaken for one another. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they went to a, a sporting event, and people uh, called the cops because they thought the man had abducted the child. That it wasn't he wasn't the father of the child, and so the guy like got met by the cops, and the cops separated him from the kid. And we're asking the kid, now, who is this guy? And the kid's going, that's my dad. I know he's told you he's your dad, but who is he really? <laughs> and I was, and what made me think of, like, what I think what drew my eye to the article is I also am the product of a mixed race marriage. I have a brown mother and uh, a very white uh, father. And my father used to take me, we look nothing alike, and my father used to take me to sporting events all the time. And I thought, thank God, it was sort of a more innocent time where a white man could take a small brown child to a sporting event and everyone would be like, oh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe they're related, maybe they're not, but that, that seems it's to be... It's nice that he's adopted a, a yeah. young immigrant child. Yeah, he might be a servant. doesn't yeah. matter. It's like as long as Peter's happy, that's fine. But now it's, yeah, oh, that oh, that poor kid. My heart really went out to yeah. them. The, the, that, that was my little mystery point for the podcast. I thought, imagine, imagine being in the crowd and watching a white guy and a dark kid and just going... Oh, he's bought him off the internet. Yeah, yeah. that's right. He's yeah, got delivered in a call crate. The police. Yeah, call it's the a police. hell of a society we live in, isn't oh. it? Hell of a society. Oh, mystery solved. Yeah. He was his dad. Yeah. One little mystery that yes. I came across the other day was I was I was driving down a street in uh, Fitzroy and I saw a sign that was advertising hot cross bagels. Oh. <laughs> Which intrigued me because I like a bagel. Sure, who doesn't like a bagel? I like a hot cross bun. Um, It's a very mixed message, isn't it? It is a mixed message, isn't it? And also, where does the cross bit go? It will just be lines because there's a hole. Yeah. In the bagel. Yeah, they. That's true. The um, uh, I think it's Seven Eleven doing uh, Easter Krispy Kremes, and one of them. I'm uh, not sure who came up with this, but one of them is like a white iced donut and they've put a marshmallow in the hole and then they've got two candy rabbit's feet that they put on the outside of the ring, which makes it look like, if you imagine the feet are Jesus? backwards, it looks like you're looking at a rabbit's ass <laughs> and it's, it's got a giant, a giant marshmallow stuck in it. Well, that's probably a cotton tail. I thought they thought it was a cotton tail, but because it's it doesn't really protrude, it's right in the hole. It's, it's not rabbit. really a tail so much as a butt plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're you're being invited to eat a marshmallow out of a rabbit's ass. Yes. Oh. Merry <laughs> Easter, <it>. everybody. <laughs> yeah. Let's remember the death this and is... resurrection of our Lord by eating a marshmallow out of a rabbit's Jesus, ass. Jesus yeah. died for that marshmallow <laughs> butt plug. Yeah. That's a mystery. So it's a mystery what Krispy Kreme are up to. I like it. Yeah, I'm not against it. Krispy Kreme, to me, the name, mm. always sounds like a villain. 
It, well, to me, it sounds disgusting because imagine, imagine some cream yeah. and imagine it's crispy. crispy. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, picture, thank you. I picture Krispy Kreme as being someone who's dressed a lot like Colonel Sanders and he's hanging around with the Hamburglar. <laughs> he's got a small brown child at a sporting event. He does. And, it's, and he's, they're not related. Yeah. You know, because it's Krispy Kreme and the Caramel Kid. <laughs> And they fight crime. Yeah. Oh man! And that is, is Vanilla how we're Fudge's new album. Oh my God, this is the greatest idea for a television show of all time. <laughs> copyright, 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 <laughs> trademark. Coming up next on Stan, Krispy Kreme and the Caramel Kid. <laughs> the good old days have been restored at University Motorsport. Get a good old-fashioned deal on all their automobiles. Across from Sears is bringing back the good old years. All the folks are heading toward University Motorsport. So um, uh, one of the reasons why we're um, putting this special podcast out into the ether is we're uh, doing a series of plays for the comedy festival at La Mama um, and they're sort of mystery plays, they're radio plays, um, but they're funny, like comedy mystery radio plays. What I thought we'd do today is um, these aren't scenes from the plays, but these are sort of little promo things. Now, um, one of the plays that we're doing as part of the season is uh, an Agatha Christie-style mystery story. Mm. It, it's got an, an old aunt kind of character in it, beautifully played by Anna Renzenbrink, who's one of the wonderful cast members. Now, uh, she couldn't be here today, so instead what we're going to do is get Mark to play her part um, as a little promo for Mystery Radio Theatre. Nice. Now, Mark hasn't seen this before. This no. was written on toilet paper about five minutes before transmission. Um, so, Mark, under this, if we could have some sort of thrilling Agatha Christie music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is Mark as Aunt Agatha from Mystery Radio Theatre's Who Didn't Done It. Hello? Is this the crime police? I would like to report some terrible goings on at Billingsley Manor. My brother, the needlessly irascible Sir Gerald Billingsley, cut all his close family members out of his will and then went and got himself all murdered. It's been quite the to-do. What with the roads being washed out and the entire family trapped together, knowing that one of us must be the killer, a complicated web of scandals and secrets seems to be unfolding before our very eyes, and it is our butler, Hodges, who is seeking the killer. But I think I know who did it. It could have been one person, the person who'd done it, not the people who didn't done it. I'm sorry? Oh, who am I speaking to? Oh no, that, that's alright, I can redial. Lucky let me know that you weren't the police, so I was about to tell you the name of the person who killed Sir Gerald Billingsley. Well, I must be... Well, this has been a lovely chat, but... What? You'd like to know? Well, it wouldn't be proper to tell a telephone stranger before the police were informed, but if you give me your number, I will call you back when I'm... Hello? Hello? That's strange. The phone's gone dead. There's creaking footsteps behind me. Oh, just turn around to see who it is. <gasps> it's you. It was you the whole time. You're the killer. You're the pup. 
perpetrator. You're the person who. Oh! It was really well read. Watch out, Anna. <laughs> Anna Renzenbrink does a slightly better job than that, but I think that gives you a wonderful idea of the uh, of the the fun and frivolity of uh, mm-hmm. mystery radio. Um, just a just a little bit of an insight into some of the wacky characters you you hey? might find James, Chris, and myself playing. Hey, hey, hey! What? It is an insight. Thank you. <laughs> Because I play Hodges. She yeah. mentioned Hodges. You yeah. do. You play the butler. Yeah. I'm and the James butler. plays Sir Gerald Billingsley. Billings, uh, I'm cast at type because uh, uh, I'm the guy everyone wants to kill. Um, I'd like to read something out. Okay, for do our it. History uh, podcast. This is something I. This is something I wrote. <laughs> they. Um, this this sort of zine, like online zine in America, was asking for submissions, like a competition to see who could get published in their little online journal, and. Um, Nick, uh, who is the guy who um, co-wrote Mystery Radio Theatre, sent me the link and said, hey, they're doing Sherlock Holmes. Um, They're asking for stories about Sherlock Holmes. Anything you want to write to do with Sherlock Holmes, doesn't matter how crazy or vague, you should write a story. I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. So I wrote, I got really excited, what I thought was a good idea. I wrote a story. I sent it off to them in high spirits. (laughs) I reckon 45 minutes later, I got a rejection letter. <laughs> 45 minutes later. They, oh, it didn't even let it go a day. It didn't even let me hope for a day. And literally sent me an email that said something like, yeah, it's just not quite what we're looking for at the moment. Some sort of form email. Mm. In the old days when you were writing, you had to wait weeks for a rejection letter. Now... 45 minutes really hurt. There was, uh, was an AI that wrote, read your. Uh, yeah, it was a spam bot. How, how long was the, 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 the script? It was about three pages, four right, pages. So it would have been read in. So they could have like, read it like three or four times before yeah. they rejected oh, it. Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was read and done all perfectly re- legitimately. It just it didn't give. They didn't give me any time to hope. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, in an act of hubris, I'm going to just read it now because huh. I've got a podcast and they don't. You've got the means of production. Uh, so um, if you like Sherlock Holmes, ah, this might be something. This is called The Muskrat Ritual. Being a reprint from the reminiscences of Dr. John H. Watson, MD, late of the Army Medical Department, July 1880. It was a fine evening behind the skirting boards of 221 Baker Street, where I make my home with the foremost of rodent detectives, Shrewlock Holmes. <laughs> Shrewlock Holmes is a shrew. While this may seem self-evident, it is actually quite rare to find a creature whose name is also their species. It would be like meeting a rabbit called Rabbit Jones or a human called Harold Person Man. <laughs> but I digress. My name is Dr. John Watson and I am a dormouse. Literally a dormouse. This despite my name containing no rodential nomenclature. Or perhaps because of it. No, not because of it. That makes absolutely no sense at all. Sorry, despite citing my earlier digression, I seem to have digressed again. And at the very point where I was trying to steer my humble narrative towards its concerted nub. I think nub is a funny word. But this is a topic for an entirely different monograph. The evening was fine and Holmes and myself were warmly ensconced behind the wainscoting. Holmes smoked absently. Presently, he spoke. 
If I had attempted to simultaneously smoke absently and speak presently, I would have pulled the muscle. But such is Holmes's acumen that both were accomplished with his usual aplomb. Watson, he said cheerfully, presently we will have a visitor. She will be a young muskrat with a slight limp, recently engaged to be married, who will require our help. Well, by now I was well used to my furry friend's grand and incredible predictions, but this did not stop me from being astounded when they inevitably came to pass. I rose to the bait. Honestly, Holmes, how can you possibly know all that? Elementary, my dear Watson, Holmes replied, his eyes glinting like ocular knives. Here in my hand I hold a letter from someone who describes herself as a young muskrat with a slight limp, recently engaged to be married, who will require our help. She says she'll call upon us at 7pm, and it is nearly that time now. My word, Holmes, that really is extraordinary, I cooed. I was not only impressed at my friend's legendary powers of deduction, but also that he had managed to hold the letter in one hand, while he had no opposable thumbs to speak of. If I had sought to hold a letter, I would have had to spike it onto my rough tongue, or skewer it with my twitching nose. Your gifts of perception are certainly in fine form tonight. This reminds me of the time I was doing that crossword puzzle and I forgot the five letters of the alphabet that precede Q. L-M-N-O-P, my dear Watson. <laughs> Holmes responded. Yes, yes, I replied. I know them now. Remember, I hit my head on a lamp and forgot things for a month. <laughs> Only too well, Holmes said dreamily. But a good dose of brandy and I was right as rain in no time. Holmes turned to face me. I have noticed that your prescription for most of the maladies that are brought before you is a good dose of brandy. Good stuff brandy is, I replied, somewhat anti-syntactically. But it's hardly very medical, said Holmes. If this is what the fine tradition of medicine has come to, then hospitals may as well be inns and the surgeons innkeepers. Touchy, I replied and winked. <laughs> it's pronounced touche, said Holmes evenly. Ah, I responded. And saying touché in this context doesn't really mean anything. It certainly doesn't defend your troubling over-prescribing of brandy to every poor soul who seeks your advice. There was a pause while I tried to fathom my friend's meaning. Finally, it dawned on me. Would you like some brandy? I asked brightly. No, thank you. At that point, there was a knock at the door and Mrs. Hudson, our landlady, who is a gerbil, incidentally, showed in our visitor. Thank you for seeing me, Mr. Holmes, the young female muskrat said. Not at all, said Holmes. I see you came by the 314 train and that you recently spent some time in Tunisia. Quite right, our young visitor replied. But how, Holmes? I asked in what was, upon reflection, possibly an irritatingly loud voice. How could you possibly have known all these details about someone whom you've only laid eyes upon? Holmes looked perplexed. Well, he began... The young lady has a ticket to the 314 train prominently attached to her cheek with tape. <laughs> I paste my tickets there in case I fall asleep on the carriage, said the muskrat. That way the conductor can read them without waking me up. And she is wearing a blouse which sports the rather humorous pronouncement, I spent some time in Tunisia and all I got was this nice blouse. <laughs> it was a gift, the lady admitted. Amazing! I said, Holmes, you've done it again. What a breathtaking deduction. It wasn't really a breathtaking deduction, said the young lady. It wasn't a deduction at all, Watson, said Holmes. I was just making conversations by looking at things and commenting on them. Honestly, if you can't keep your inappropriate approbation of me to yourself, you shall have to go to your room. Sorry, Holmes, 
I replied, chastened, but somewhat buzzy. Holmes turned his attention back to the young muskrat. Now, Miss... Miss Muskrat. Miss Muskrat, how can myself and the good doctor aid you? Holmes! I ejaculated in a voice that would have deafened the baby Jesus. How? How? How did you know her name was Miss Muskrat? What infinitesimal detail hidden to the senses of ordinary mice did you seize upon to make such a thrilling observation? I was crying tears of joy and amazement. Holmes and Miss Muskrat approached me. She just told me her name and I repeated it, Holmes said in a quiet voice. Are you all right? <laughs> Are you having a stroke? No, I replied brightly. I was just so awestruck at your... Oh, wait. Yes, 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 I am having a stroke. My God, Holmes, that's another brilliant deduction. You're certainly on a roll tonight. I'd collapsed awkwardly onto the Persian rug by this time. Holmes and Miss Mustrat stood over me as I drooled and twitched. I shall summon a doctor, said Holmes in a commanding voice. No, I replied. Brandy! Get me brandy! Then I fell into unconsciousness. When I woke up, I was back in my field hospital cot. My shoulder ached, and I winced as I remembered the bullet that shattered it at the Battle of Maywand. Also, I was no longer a dormouse. I was a human, and there was another human standing over me. A doctor human. Hello, I'm Dr. Human, he seemed to say. <laughs> Dr. Human? I replied. How rare to find a creature whose name is also their species. Dr. Newman, he corrected. <laughs> ah, I responded. Although my previous utterance still applies to that particular name. <laughs> I suppose it does, responded Dr. Newman, in a tone of voice that implied he had other, more important things to say. And then, without warning, he said them. Your physical wound was easily tended to, but soon you succumbed to enteric fever. This took the form of you hallucinating and having whispered conversations with a small shrew that frequents the hospital wards. I seem to remember something of the kind, I responded weakly. When I asked you about it, you tried to convince me that the shrew was some kind of genius and that you were a dormouse. Yes, I said, but I'm probably not, am I? Almost certainly not, replied Dr. Newman. I've recommended further observation. However, we simply do not have the time and resources to deal with such a case here. You will shortly be pensioned back to England. Will I be all right, doctor? I inquired. Will these hallucinations <laughs> eventually stop? I think so. Provided you have an ample supply of brandy, you should be right as rain in no time. Thank you, doctor, I replied and closed my eyes. Somewhere... Something squeaked. The end. <laughs> <clears throat> well, they don't know what they're missing. Can you believe they rejected blog. that pile of steaming garbage? <laughs> <laughs> it was all a fever dream. It was all a dream. I mean, how can you not love a story that ends with it was all a dream? <laughs> <sighs> so original. Hey, have you got a mystery thing? Oh, Gum. cool. It's sort of a mystery thing. Oh, it's tenuous. Tenuous at best. It's about a website. Is it a so, Chris's website? It could well be. Chris's, Chris's website. website. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Now I've got two. I've got two fun games uh, that I accidentally uh, that I accidentally discovered recently. Um, you know that um, two fun games that you accidentally yeah. discovered recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll get around to it. Intrigued. Um, so. Uh, 
one thing, it's it's worth doing. It's fun. <laughs> but uh, last uh, the, really just bearing the, other day, the lead. Just the other day, I uh, I wrote an email. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I needed to copy and paste the email into another email, uh, uh, the body of another email. Mm-hmm. And I did that and just completely forgot that I had had, uh, had copied that. And then uh, later I was going to Google and I thought I'd copied a word that I – oh, well, in fact, a phrase that I was searching for and then pasted an entire email into Google and then – searched for it like i didn't have to search for it i realized my mistake i went oh well i've posted an email into uh into google and then i searched for it and you know all types of weird things come up when you put an email i I would recommend it i would recommend next time you make an email just paste it into google (laughs) and search because i came this this email had almost nothing to do with pakistan I find that hard to believe. In fact, had zero to do with Pakistan. I got a lot of articles about Pakistan. I have no no idea why. Um, it sounds like you're on a list now, yeah. probably. Yeah. And uh, while I'm while I'm uh, uh, discussing that, I thought I would I would I would mention to people if they don't already know. It's been a feature of Google forever, but you kind of forget because Google search now goes into just little bars. But you know, you can go to the Google page and go, I feel lucky when you search for something. Can you still do that? You can still, I feel lucky it. I don't, I've never pushed that button. I don't actually know what that means. What it means I've is never felt you lucky are enough to so push confident that the thing you're searching for is going to be top of the search list. You don't want to see the search list. You want to go straight to the page that comes up at number one. I think nowadays that's dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. And not Especially safe for work. work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know yeah. the other thing that I keep accidentally pasting in, into Google mm. is my is passwords. Try it. It's good because if you've got a really good password, it should come up with no responses. No results. It's a good way to test a, test a password. Yeah. Except that then it becomes part of your permanent Google history. Yeah, well, yeah. of course. You need to do it anonymously ah, from a, an, an internet cafe. On an incognito and then, window. And then you have to smash the computer. <laughs> and you have to drive a nail through the hard drive. I was really like... Burn it. Yeah, and burn it. I was like those those um, 90s movies where there was always something very important um, stored on a computer. And they would just destroy the computer by shooting it. And often they would just shoot the screen. Yeah. And I remember even me as a Luddite would be watching that going, I don't think that's where the information yeah. very, is. Very little information is stored in the screen. Yes. <laughs> but it was always Unless like, it's an iMac. Yeah. But it was always like, oh, we'll just wreck it. And then um, and I'm just sitting there going, well, you should probably look at the box that's sitting next to the monitor. Yeah. Just go down to Officeworks, buy a new monitor. It's in the computer. I'm going to smash um, the mouse. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. This information will never see the light of day. I mean, pre-internet. How will they click on it? <laughs> pre-internet, probably smashing the screen meant you just couldn't use the computer anymore anyway. So, yeah. The um, I would like Google to introduce a I've never felt lucky. <laughs> and it literally just. I you, think Bing has that. <laughs> takes you to the worst. <laughs> you click on it and it just takes you to a website that goes, just hugs or yeah. something. Like, oh, oh that's better. <laughs> You're or it takes you to a website that go like I'm a winner. <laughs> Probably now does just take you to a gambling website. Yeah. Is Ask Jeeves still around? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder I if you go to Ask out. Jeeves and <laughs> ask it a question whether it goes, just Google it. Yeah. <laughs> really? You're asking if Ask Jeeves is still around? <laughs> just type it into Google. <laughs> yeah. I always get weirded out by the number of gambling websites there are. Mm. Yeah. Like nowadays, right? 
um, you can lose your entire life savings on the train on the way to work. Mm. Yeah. Like, is nobody else slightly concerned about that? And most of the gambling websites that operate aren't subject to any kind of Australian laws no. or any kind of international laws. And in fact, a lot of them were set up because of that very reason is that they could actually access places that they couldn't get licenses to have yeah. to, to open gambling establishments. These are the these are like the you remember like in old movies they had the river boats. Yeah. And the idea was oh you could gamble because you weren't on land. So yeah. it was like, you know, international waters, like no rules apply. And you know, characters in like um, Raymond Chandler novels would catch boats, uh, catch like tiny boats out to these big riverboat gambling ships where there was always a kidnapped girl. Yeah. It's like that, but it's on your phone and you're a jerk. Yep. I, un- I sort of understand gambling in a James Bond way. Like mm. you watch James Bond movies, right, and he gambles and you go, that's cool. Like I would love to go to Vegas and play 21, like play blackjack. I would love to do that. Like that's a dream of mine because it's romantic and interesting and there's lights and colours and sounds and sights and it's cool. And you're wearing a white tuxedo. Yeah, and you've got a woman hanging on your arm and she's drunk and you're all over the place. (laughs) But but to go from that to, oh, I've lost $10,000 on my phone. Like Candy Crush, like yeah. Angry Birds, like what the that it really? I don't understand. I understand the romance of gambling, but I don't understand now why that's translated to just losing money on your phone. Yeah, like they've got those games, those Farmville games. Couldn't they just make a game that it's like you've lost a lot of money gambling, but you haven't really? Well, it's always my it was always my thing with gambling is that gambling games are so boring. They're so boring that you that you know if it was actually a fun game that maybe I'd put some money on it. Yeah, if it yeah. meant that you know, like like putting your money into a pinball machine, you got that chance of winning more balls <laughs> and then being able to to play for I longer. Get to keep the balls, Chris. You yeah, know? you can't sell those. <laughs> but then you just you just put your money into a into a poking machine and you never like just give me a game, give me something I can play. Well, I remember we were in Tasmania once on tour and um, we were just killing time and the bar, like every bar uh, nowadays, had a front bar bit that had pokies in it yeah. and so I put $2 into this pokies machine. I'd never played pokies before. I've never played since. I put $2 into this pokies machine and it was like 10 cents a go and you, you pushed a virtual, but you don't even get to pull the the thing anymore. You just push a button and it goes boop, boop, boop. And then, oh, nope, the virtual cards are wrong. Boop, boop, boop. And I was losing 10 cents a hand. I just, I'd lost 50 cents. I was so bored. I just kept pushing the button until I'd lost. I was just so dry. And then I won like 70 cents. I'm like, oh no, I've got to keep now pushing the button and boop, boop, boop. It's, oh God, it was, what's the point? What's the point? They took all the fun out of gambling and left all of the financial insecurity. (laughs) And people do it. You fucking idiots. (laughs) Oh, you fucking idiots. You know what it's like? It's like smoking. Smoking, the only reason, literally, the only reason to smoke is it looks cool. No arguing with that. It looks cool. I get it. I've never smoked, but I get it. People who smoke look cool. Now, you got e-cigarettes, and they have them now, and they look like they're sucking on a tiny Prima packet. Like, they're, <laughs> like oh, I've got a tiny juice box full of nicotine. Or they look so a pen. St- oh, <laughs> they look so stupid. Yeah, they look like children pretending to smoke a cigarette. What is the 
fucking point. It's literally the only thing about smoking left is the cool. I'm taking it away. Oh, the gambling's not cool. You do it on your phone. Suck on your phone. Who cares? <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> well, I think about these things late at night. <laughs> Stars up above and lights below The top of the town is the place to go For atmosphere and cuisine supreme The top of the town is a gourmet's dream The lights of the city are thrilling at night Cocktails and dinner, what a beautiful sight Stars above and lights below the top of the town is the place to go. So, uh, uh, with our, our mystery radio theatre coming up, one of the plays that we do is called Murder Me Again, My Darling. It's our hard-boiled detective film noir kind of satire. And um, the lead actor uh, is a fantastic guy named Vaughn. Vaughn couldn't be here today. He doesn't do this podcast. We don't let anybody else mm. in our podcast. No guests. That's the rule. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't play well with others. So um, uh, instead we've got the next best thing, which is young Chris Tompkins, famed actor and person. And uh, he's going to be uh, reading a little monologue, uh, which isn't from the play, but is kind of in the keeping of the play. Mark, can we have some noiry music? Sure. And that'd start now. It was just another typical morning and I had woken up with a hangover the size of a Granny Smith apple is that big I was trying to say it was big I probably need to give you a scale for this metaphor sorry I'm not very good at this anyway little did I know that trouble was about to walk into my office like a Granny Smith apple walking into a fruit store I seem to have Granny Smith apples on the mind today. For a down-in-his-luck gumshoe, this was going to be the case to make or break my career. Beautiful dame, a political conspiracy, organized crime, all ingredients in simmering crock-pot of lies, betrayal, and not apples, but... (laughs) You know, sorry. I'm really hungry today. Anyway, I'm a private detective. Will I be asking the question, murder me again, my darling? Probably not. (laughs) I don't think that's even a question. Coming soon. There we go. See a slightly better version of that character in Murder Me Again, My Darling, part of Mystery Radio Theatre, 31st of March to the 10th of April. Oh, it's a good apple. <laughs> I'm glad. You earned it, mate. You really inhabited that character. Right. So, Mark, because um, it's the mystery episode, yeah. um, for the song today, what I want you to do is I want you to reach into my bag of mystery. See my bag of mystery? What? No. 
Right. It's, it's now do you see my mystery. bag? Oh, I see, I see. It's a metaphorical bag of mystery. No, it's not. It's like it's Mark's radio. wheel. Oh, it's that's a, a radio bag. Oh, bag that bag's of there. It's a bag of mystery. <sighs> it's a bag of mystery. Do you see the bag of mystery? It's yeah, a bag yeah, of, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a bag yeah, of mystery. Now reach into the bag of mystery. Ooh, uh-huh. Okay. Oh, it feels um, velvety. Ooh. Yep. Now, now hold up the the thing that you find inside it. Oh, it feels. Yeah. It's, it's sticky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Warm. Yeah, mystery can be sticky and warm, Mark. Okay. All right, I'm going to hold it up. Yeah. Now, there can you, you see the little play button on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, now just hit the play button and All that'll right. be today's song. Okay, here we go. I watch girls prepare themselves to go out for the night. Hair products and makeup, it just doesn't seem right. You don't need to drape yourself in all that useless gear. If you wanna be my girl, then drape yourself in beer. If you wanna woo me, then just smell like a brewery. If you really love me, then use lager as perfume. If you really care, I'm a beer man in your hair. That's the kind of odor that will really make me swoon. Women write me love notes and stick them down their pants They think that their pheromones will give them half a chance But I am not the kind of guy to fall for someone's sweat Dip your love notes in some beer and earn my full respect If you wanna woo me, then just smell like a brewery If you really love me, then use lager as perfume If you really care, rub a beer mat in your hair that's the kind of odour that will really make me swoon I told her I loved her when I caught her beery scent And she knew I meant it She smelled so fermented tenderly I put my hand upon her beer-drenched leg Kissing her sweet lips was just like drinking from a keg if you wanna woo me, then just smell like a brewery If you really love me, then use lager as perfume If you really care of a beer man in your hair That's the kind of odour that will really make me swoon That's the kind of odour that will really make me swoon That's the kind of odour that will really make me swoon That brings us to a conclusion, or does it? Bum, bum, yes, it does. Mm. Uh, it's ending. Um, so thank you very much uh, for listening to Theatre of the World. Hey, if you like our stuff, um, feel free to uh, go to our website, which is theatreoftheworld.com. Yep, and, stop uh, chewing, Chris. Stop, it's enough. <laughs> the apple was fine during the comedy bit, but it's you enough. Just be slightly professional for the rest of the podcast, <laughs> yeah, could, just, just away from the mic. Oh. <laughs> stop it. Lick your fingers. Ow, ow. This is worse than James's bag of mystery. If you, uh, if you like us, uh, the best thing to do to support us, which doesn't cost you any money at all, is to go and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us to get the podcast to different people. Please do that. That would be lovely. But another thing you can do that does cost you money to support us is come and see Mystery Radio Theatre. Especially on the 6th of April, because we'll be doing a live episode of Theatre of the World. Oh, yeah. We should mention that. Right out to the audience. Yeah, so yeah. if you 
you come and it's free if you come and see uh, any Mystery Radio Theatre uh, performance you can get in free to the podcast the podcast will be at 9 o'clock on Wednesday the 6th of April at La Mama um, all the details are of Mystery Radio Theatre are at lamama.com.au and all the details of the live website are at the Facebook page yeah, go see the Facebook page. If you want to find out how to get to our Facebook page, please check our Twitter. Go to Google. Go to Ask Jeeves. your email address. Don't yeah. bing. Dear Jeeves, does Theatre of the World have a Facebook page? <laughs> also, what is a Facebook page? Yes, I am feeling lucky. <laughs> Until next we meet, I'm James. I'm Mark. And I'm Chris. And may all your mysteries be histories of mysteries. <laughs> Rhyming. Good. <laughs> Find episodes and more at theatreoftheworld.com. Sturdy and big, sturdy and big. I like my girls sturdy and big. I like men when they're wearing a wig, but mostly I like girls who are sturdy and big. Don't like them twigs. Sturdy Sturdy and big. This is Man Bites God.